Thank you for tuning in to The Way Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to showcase the way that God wants us to live by looking at what is written in His Word. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is That Way. Here is your host, Houston Welch. Welcome back to the Wave Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch, and we are here again with my good brother, Philip Tomlin. And as we're discussing uh, a few of the examples that we have that that, um, are mentioned in the New Testament, uh, they're examples that we have in the Old Testament of whether they be uh, positive examples or whether they be negative examples. Uh, examples nonetheless, and today we actually have a negative example to discuss. Um, we're going to be discussing Israel's relationship with God uh, from 1 Corinthians uh, 10, uh, verses 1 through 10. Uh, Tomlin, could you give us a little bit of background and and, and lead us into the text there? All right, well, let's, let's start with just uh, reading the text. First of all, it's not very long, so I'll, I'll read it. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Be not, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not commit fornication as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, verses 11 and 12 sort of summarize this. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. And so what Paul is doing here is is he's he's taking these Old Testament scriptures and making application to the lives of these Christians at Corinth. And he shows that these were God's people, without a doubt. And he even uses the passing through the Red Sea as an analogy to the Christians' baptism. They were all baptized into Moses, verse 2, in the cloud and the sea. And after that, after their baptism, just like after our baptism, we are God's children. After that, they are in this relationship with God. And God delivered them from Egypt, just like he delivers us from sin. But just because we have been delivered does not mean that everything is said and done. Because after the the Israelites were delivered, he's going to take several examples of things that they did wrong and the punishment that they receive for it and then we'll see and and be able to make application at the end of that of of how 
this is similar with our walk with Christ today. Absolutely. It's like, it's like what we're, one of the things we're going to be discussing whenever we discuss uh, the year of Jubilee is what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, God forbid. And like with every uh, every thing we read about, every scripture we read about, every occasion we read about in the Old Testament, these things were all examples for us. And uh, Paul takes the time here in 1 Corinthians 10 to illuminate uh, the children of Israel uh, in, in the wilderness as an example for those Corinthians, and they're examples for us, uh, for us as well. Now, we can understand if, if, you, if we read the, the Corinthian letter as to why Paul is making an example for all of these things, because the Corinthians had many issues, and, and they had many things that they, that they needed, um, that they needed uh, rebuke and admonition regards, uh, in, in regards to it. And so Paul takes the children of Israel as a perfect example to admonish them as how not or things not to do, what not to do uh, in your relationship with God. And one of the very first things that um, that Paul mentions in First Corinthians ten is uh, don't go lusting as as they as they lusted. So the children of Israel. Um, Lusted now, Tomlin. I think we need to discuss some of um, what uh, does lust mean in the Bible. the the modern The modern way of viewing lust is that it's it's wholly sexual. There that that there that there's um, that lust can only be sexual. But what is the biblical uh, meaning of lust? Well, the the ESV has desire evil there, and and I think that's. A pretty good translation, you know. Lust means that you have a a sinful desire for something that you should not desire. It's not limited to just sexual sin, although that it is that does fall under that umbrella. But but yeah. you can lust after anything that God doesn't want you to have, and you want it. That's lust. Absolutely, James. James chapter one. Uh, beginning in verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted or whenever, whenever he is tried that I am tempted of God. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So that, that lust there, he's not just talking about sexual sin, but he's, he's talking about desire itself, desiring something which is contrary to what God desires. Oftentimes when I'm preaching, I, I make the application for us is that we should tran, uh, transform our desires into what God desires, that our desire should be what God desires. If we are to follow God's will, which is what God wants, uh, then we are going to, to share the same desires as God. God uh, desires all men to be saved. He would have all men to be saved, and we also should share the same desire with God. Uh, so, the um, what what is the the reference that Paul is making? And I'm sure that there are many references uh, throughout Exodus and Numbers uh, as as to when the children of Israel um, lusted after whatever it may have been. Well, verse seven, ten points a very precise moment in the history of Israel, Paul, uh, Paul says, do not be idolaters as some of them were, 
as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Uh, that's, a, that's a quote of Exodus chapter 32 and verse 6, uh, you know, about that where they had built this idol, this golden calf, and they, they were, were looking at it. One of the things they were lusting after is a, a physical manifestation of God. They wondered, well, where is God right now? He'd been with Moses on the mountain delivering the law, and they, well, where's God? We need something to look at. Uh, you know, uh, that might not be exactly in the same category, but that in that particular one, I think that's what Paul's talking about. Yeah, yeah, that they that they did lust, and there there are several other things that they that they lusted after. Um, one reference that we talked about before, Numbers eleven and verse four. Um, and the mixed multitude that was among them it says fell a lusting the king james reads and the children of israel also wept again uh, and said who will give us food to eat we remember the fish which we did eat in egypt freely then the cucumbers the melons the leeks the onions the garlic but now our soul is dried away nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes so God had provided for them more than what they needed, but they still desired something else. They they longed for something else, and it's so much to so is that they they cried for it. Now another one of the the things, and Paul lists several of these sins which the children of Israel committed in the wilderness. Another one of them is that being the the idolatry. And so let's let's go back and discuss that in Exodus 32 a little bit, where it says, because he makes direct reference to this, is that they that they um, they ate and they drank and they rose up to play, and and I asked you before, what do you think the reason for for mentioning um, for for that statement itself being in there? I think the the primary reason is just so that Paul makes sure that we know exactly what he's talking about, what he's making reference to. Because that's a pretty unique statement. They sat down to eat and rose up to play. And that's only found in, in Exodus 32, 6. You know, I don't know if the, the statement itself is uh, the details about what that entails. I don't know if that's as important as, you know, we understand that, okay, he's talking about lusting. He's talking about idolatry. And here's exactly what he has in mind when he's using Israel as an example here. Yeah, and and eating and drinking and then and then rising up to play, you could you could pass play off as as a um, idleness, but quite frankly, we read about uh, various occasions in the Old Testament and New Testament where um, individuals took time of rest and recreation. So rising up to play, there was nothing wrong with that, and we know that there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking. Uh, so those two, we don't we don't want to assume that eating and drinking and and quote unquote playing is in direct correlation to idolatry and to lust uh, because because they're not. It's not a sin to eat and to drink, and it's not a sin to 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 recreate uh, yourself. And and I, I have to agree that I do believe that the reason why that Paul mentions it is because. It is a clear, uh, a clear place to go back to. This is this is what Paul is talking about. He's letting the Corinthians know, as well as us, this is the reference that I'm making. I want us to go back here. I believe the reason why Moses recorded that, maybe one of the reasons, is because it's 
there was some comfort there. Mm. Before before this occasion, they they were anxious and they were worried. Well, Moses, our leader, our physical representative of God, has now left us. So they turned to Aaron, the uh, the, the the next closest person to Moses, and was seeking an idol. Like like uh, Philip said, they were seeking a physical representation of God. Once they had that physical representation, they could now relax. Uh, they 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 weren't no longer they were no longer anxious they were they weren't worried about anything else but they were able to eat and to drink and and to play recreate so to speak and uh, so we what what would be an application for us today in regards to to idolatry we've we can make the reference uh, that well anything um, and and this is quite true that anything. Uh, could be made an idol for us. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, anything could be an idol. You know, and at this time, they were heavily influenced by the practice of the, the pagan Egyptians who had all these gods that they could look at and these great monuments to these false gods. And, and that was something that, that apparently Israel wanted too, is they wanted something they could see. And and if we're being honest, we're kind of the same way a lot of times. We we're not necessarily influenced by by pagan customs like they were, but but we like we we find a sense of comfort in uh, in in physical manifestations. Sometimes, you know, we I think about church buildings and people think about how holy they are and they feel safe in a church building. And and if they if that were taken away from them, they would feel like something was missing. Uh, and especially our, our our Catholic friends, you know, they have these beautiful churches and and all of this artwork and these these crucifix necklaces and, and all of these things that we we want something tangible, and and that's really not what Christianity is about. It's a spiritual thing, but you know we can make anything into an idol. Absolutely, Talk, talking about uh, church buildings, this is kind of a little little sidetrack here. Um, we here at, at friendship where I preach, we have, um, I guess you could say a picnic area. It's a, it's a, it's a covered area that's, uh, attached to the fellowship building here. And one, uh, one Sunday evening, our, our air went out in the building <laughs> and none of us was going to be standing in there. Certainly not the preacher, because if, if you've ever preached before, you know that it can get quite hot if the air is not running. Um, especially if you don't have a, if you don't have any airflow, you're going to get a quite hot preaching. <laughs> and I told them I didn't want to pass out while I was trying to preach. And they all agreed that they didn't want to sit in there while I was trying to preach either. And so we came over here, uh, to, to the, uh, to the covered area. And that was one of the best services that, that we've ever had. I mean, there wasn't any uh, echo for, for the singing or anything, but it was, it was natural in and of itself. Uh, just just saying that to state that uh, that some of the some of the best services we could think back to the first century there were individuals who met by a riverside uh, and you you can you can expect many other places other than just inside of a building uh, and there there's several go go ahead Thomas sorry uh, but but really the thing that we're lusting after is is the same thing they were is is comfort and familiarity. You know, yes. we, we get caught up in our customs and we find comfort in those things. And, you know, you, you try to mix up the order of worship or something and people get a little bit nervous about it. And and so they're just looking for something to satisfy 
they're <clears throat> excuse me they're feeling for security yeah yeah and yeah, then there's there's a lot that we could that we could go down in um into that uh, continu- continuing on um, back in first corinthians 10 um so then then he lists uh, fornication in verse 8 he mentions fornication uh now where what's the reference for that in in numbers uh numbers 25 and verse 1 where it talks about the people the israelites and they use the word they hoard with the daughters of moab they they you know god had told them not to intermarry with the people of the land that they were coming to but they did anyway and they they lusted after again something they weren't supposed to have and so they took these moab women and married them and the same chapter just a few verses later we're told that that 23,000 people died in a plague that god sent as a direct result of these people lusting for these women that they shouldn't have had yeah and you th- you think about them them dying in a plague and this is going to take a dark turn but uh, quite frankly, uh, fornication, sex outside of of marriage, uh, the it is it is something that's dark. Uh, any and and getting getting into this a little bit, anybody who has ever who has ever done that should be able to attest, unless unless they have have let it completely change them altogether, should be able to attest that. If if there is sex outside of of marriage, outside of a strong committed relationship, then those those two individuals they don't grow closer together. Very rare occasions does that ever happen. It, more often than not, and I would say I don't know exact statistics on this, but I would say ninety percent of the time, the two individuals that partake in it, uh, they grow further apart rather than rather than sex being something that draws two people together and makes them more of a union is something that uh, that that pushes them apart there is it's almost as if a barrier is put up between them uh, like that well i don't know if i can fully trust this person uh, etc but Perhaps that's one of the reasons why God designed marriage, along with the many other reasons that God designed marriage the way that it is. Uh, so, and and again, we could discuss uh, fornication, the sin of fornication, um, uh, much more. Talking about the plague, what I wanted to mention before, uh, there is something that uh, even today, in today's time, could be considered a plague uh, in regards to those who choose to fornicate. And there, there are many of them. Uh, there are um, STDs that do plague people, and many people have died because of them. I don't believe that that was the situation here. I believe that it was a, a plague like anything else, uh, a cold, a coronavirus, or whatever it may have been. But anyway, conti- continuing on. So then uh, mentions in verse, uh, verse 9, tempting Christ. So now, what is what is the reference for uh, for tempting Christ there? Uh, the same chapter number or the same book numbers go back a couple of chapters to numbers twenty one, uh, verse four. They they became impatient. You know, as soon as they obtained their freedom from Egyptian bondage, they they became impatient and started asking God, "Why did you bring us here? You know, did you? There's no food and there's no water." And you, you just brought us out here in the wilderness to die. And, and Houston read a passage earlier where they wanted to go back to Egypt. And, you know, just thinking about 
how good they had it back there as opposed to how they have it now, even though they were uh, being brutally abused as slaves. But so even with this newfound freedom, they began to be impatient to, to, to tempt Christ. And that's interesting that the, that's the phrase that he used there, to tempt Christ, put them to the test. And it says, as, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. You know, they, they, God sent fiery serpents and they bit people. And, and uh, you know, of course, then God told Moses how to remedy that. He had him to build a, a bronze serpent and everyone who looked on it was healed. But it's just another example of the Israelites, in spite of God's blessings, becoming impatient and, and just test, testing God as in, okay, I'm go, you know, children test their parents. And they, they push them to the limit. They see how far they can go and say, okay, I'm going to keep pushing until I get some sort of consequence from it. Well, God showed them over and over that there were consequences for pushing him, and yet they continue to do it. Absolutely. And to, to make, to make a, a spiritual application there, and that God provided a way. Yes, there were many of those who did fall to, to, the, to the serpents, but God also provided a means for them, and which is a direct reference to, to Jesus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus also was lifted up. And so it goes, it goes to say that just because you, you might find yourself in, this situ, in, in any one of these situations, as a Christian, you may find yourself um, lusting after things which, which are contrary to God's will. You may find yourself uh, um, in in a in a in, you may find yourself um, being idolatrous, making things idols, putting things uh, in between you and God. You may find yourself um, as a young Christian or even even an older Christian uh, fornicating in a in a situation that you don't want to be in. You may find yourself tempting Christ, and that's what we're about to discuss briefly. You may find yourself murmuring against God, but there is always redemption there the blood of jesus christ continually cleanses us so just as even though they sinned there in the wilderness they already had a relationship with god they sinned against him god still provided a way of salvation the blood of christ is still available to any who, who is seeking it and now for the last one just briefly uh, they murmured against god so tomlin what is the reference for that um they Maybe numbers 14, too. You know, they again, they say, I wish we would have just died in the land of Egypt. You know, they, they complained about the deliverance that God had given them. And uh, ironically, they wish that they would have died in the land of Egypt. And that entire generation did die in the wilderness uh, because of another sin that they had committed in, in, in addition to all these. And so, you know, we're, we're told Philippians 2, 14, do all things without grumbling and complaining. We... We probably shortchange people when we don't tell them when they're ready to obey the gospel. We need to tell them, hey, there's a commitment here. There are going to be things that you're asked to do that you don't want to do, and there are going to be things that you want to do that you can't do. You know, there it there is a price that you're going to have to be willing to pay. And one of the parables of Jesus teaches us that we need to count that cost and make sure because there are going to be demands made of us, just like there were of the Israelites. And Paul says, do all things. And he wrote that from a, a pit in a prison cell. He says, do whatever God asks you without complaining about it. 
And so they, they didn't appreciate the deliverance God had given them. Uh, they did complain. They didn't realize how good they had it. And, and that's the lesson for us there, too, is, is to understand the grace that God has extended to us. And, and don't, you know, what a small thing it is to complain about that they miss the onions and the cucumbers, you know. And, and that, that's always just, it sounds so ridiculous, but we're, we're the same way. We begin to miss those little things that we had in the world that, that are so small and insignificant in comparison to the blessings of, of salvation in Christ. And so we learn not to complain from this passage. We learn uh, not to take God's grace for granted, not to become arrogant about it. So these people say, okay, well, God delivered us. Uh, so that means he loves us. So he's not going to punish us. And then verse 12 comes along. Therefore, but anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. Yeah. One one final one final point here is that imagine yourself in their shoes. I mean, I I I, I don't know if I wouldn't be complaining as well. If 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 I did, yes, I I may have been in slavery, but uh, you know, if I was like like their argument state, if I if I did have fish and cucumbers, leeks, etc., I had everything that I wanted to eat, then now now I'm out here wandering around in a desert place. I don't I don't know where my food's going to come from, um, and, and and many people even today, uh, especially in in America where we're all spoiled, every one of us are, we. We hate to think about having to eat the same thing twice and imagine the children of Israel having to eat the same thing over and over and over. And so I don't know if I wouldn't be complaining, but I think the reason why uh, they they succumb to it, to murmuring against God, is because they didn't know what the promised land looked like. They didn't know where they were going. It's the reason why we're admonished and exhorted uh, to, to continue the faith and we have that hope. That hope is what keeps us going. We get certain glimpses of 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 that, what is in store for us for the, the the promised land that is in store for us uh, throughout Scripture, and we know that it is so, going to be so much better than any trials, any struggles, any temptations that we may have here in this present time. And I'm thankful to God for it. In order for me to 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 not complain, um, to not commit certain sins against God to not test Christ to not uh, be idolatrous and 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 lust after things contrary to God's will I need to keep in mind the promised land keep in mind what God has promised to all of his children we do appreciate you for staying tuned in if you have thus far um, please uh, like and and share on Facebook um, tell a friend about about the podcast uh, go and 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 check out some of our sistering podcasts perhaps uh, Perhaps the the diligent podcast, maybe even check out the Everyday Christian podcast. Um, we do appreciate you, and have a good day. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail dot com. That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail dot com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.